One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. The company and or guest has contributed to the cost of production associated with this episode of Equity ASA. Listeners should refer to the disclaimer in the episode notes and at the end of this podcast. Firstly, I love data. When I first got involved in, it in sort of 2000, slightly before, and, and I, I got involved in data, I was like, oh my gosh, why isn't everybody, every company looking at data? This absolutely tells the story. This enables you to understand more about exactly what the drives are for your audiences. G'day and welcome back to Equity ASA, brought to you by the Australian Shareholders Association. I'm Phil Muscatello and joining us for this episode is Martin Phils, CEO and Managing Director of Pure Profile. Hello Martin. Hey Phil, great to be here, thank you for having us. Pure Profile Limited provides profile marketing and insights technology services for marketers, researchers and publishers in Australia and internationally. Martin, give us some more details about Pure Profile's operations. Yeah, thanks, Phil. So we're an insights company, a data company. We provide data to organisations so they can do several things with it. Number one, they can make business decisions. So that could be to brands, understanding their consumers, competitors' consumers. They might be simply running surveys. They might be run, looking at raw data that we have available about different markets. They might be using our SaaS platforms, um, but it's all about delivering insights using data. That's what we do. We do that today in nine countries. I think when we were last speaking, we were only in five countries. So we're in nine countries today. and We've got 200 people around the world. We've been in operation for 23 years In Australia, for example, 20% of the ASX 200 uses our insights and use our data to make decisions. So been around for a long time, very trusted in the marketplace as a brand. So those um, 20 companies on the in the ASX, these are consumer-facing businesses, are they? Yes and no. So in the ASX 200, yes, it is consumer-facing brands. So it could be brands such as uh, Coles, West Farmers Group, wanting to understand their consumers, wanting to understand maybe online spend, competitor spend, and obviously it's uh, marquee brands across that group. It could be uh, automotive organisations wanting to understand more about their again competitors brands cars that people are looking at when people are looking to move to um, electric etc so it can be for a variety of different reasons that covers off a lot of consumers um, we work with governments we work a lot with education where obviously it's looking at what's important to um, voters today and obviously we've, we've just been through an election mm-hmm. um, where there was a lot of activity 
So SaaS technology, this is where the clients can access the data themselves and um, look at it. How does that sort of, how does it work for a, for a client uh, using your service? Yeah, so we have a, a couple of different SaaS products. We actually have three different SaaS products. They all do quite different things, actually. So the first one is Insights Builder, used by people like Budget Direct, Adore Beauty, um, to name just a couple. Um, that's absolutely do-it-yourself surveys. So um, they can use that tool, have access to our audiences, and understand directly, again, what they want to find out without coming through us. So it means that they can be faster, more nimble. We can be scalable, more efficient. So it's a win-win for everybody. So that's Insights Builder. The second tool we have is Audience Builder. So Audience Builder is used by organizations that have really large membership bases and they want to offer surveys as another way of their audience earning points. So for example, Flybys is a partner here in Australia. Flybys has 9 million members. Um, they also, through their app, have a lot of other affiliate offerings. So they could be take out uh, insurance or credit card to earn Flybys points. So we come along and say, hey, you know what? Why don't you allow your audiences also to do surveys to earn points? So up in the app pops earn thousand points or whatever it is for doing this couple of minute survey. Now what that means to flybys is firstly their audiences can earn points by doing something else. Secondly, they gather insights. So unlike if they've done a healthcare or a health insurance type deal, actually this is continual insights gathering information. So flybys can then go in using Insights Builder and actually understand more about their audiences. So they gather something else. And then thirdly, um, it's a revenue share similar to as would be one of the other affiliate offerings and again that's a continuous one so that's audience builder so here in australia we've got raise news corp flybys i go direct in new zealand aa smart fuel in asia the asian parent and are obviously looking for for others as well and that gives us really quick scalability in a market huge number of data points and it means that increases revenue and increases profits for us. So win-win. So that's the second product, Audience Builder. And the third product is Audience Intelligence. So we gather data. This is all permission-based data. We gather data from 400,000 Australians. And it's their credit card and bank account expenditure updated daily. So again, clients such as Coles, such as Uber Eats use this. So we know as of yesterday, if people went to... Bunnings or if they went to a certain coffee shop or if they filled up the car with petrol maybe if this month they've used AGL Energy or Netflix subscription so we cover the top 1,000 brands in Australia as I said updated daily 400,000 Australians used by organizations again looking at that raw transactional data to understand their own market share their competitive market share down to individual postcode level so it gives an opportunity to again understand where they might be weaker or stronger than other competitors in specific postcodes so um, I did a piece of research out of that recently for a client and we covered over 2,000 postcodes for them so huge scale across Australia allowing them to get to really granular levels so three main SaaS products 
audience builder, insights builder, and audience intelligence. Has there been anything that you've personally found really interesting in any of the insights or something that's been surprising that you can talk about? Well, firstly, I mean, this is a brilliant question. Firstly, I love data. Yeah, so I remember when, yes. when I first got involved in, in sort of 2000, slightly before, and, and I've been involved with uh, software before then, got involved with data. I was like, oh my gosh, why isn't everybody, every company looking at data? This absolutely tells the story. This enables you to understand more about exactly what the drives are for your audience it's the zeitgeist in a in a bottle it really is amazing so i guess uh, we a piece of research that we ran last week we ran that for some of our clients was unfortunately um, for all of those involved deliverers just left the australian market and I did a post on LinkedIn about this. Uh, perhaps not surprising that Deliveroo have, have left the market. They were sort of trailing in a good fourth place behind. We've got Uber Eats, number one, DoorDash, uh, Menulog, sorry, number two, DoorDash, number three, and Deliveroo, number four. So trailing quite well b- behind the others. Not really gaining huge amount set. This is just purely looking at this audience intelligence raw data. So it's, it's really from the horse's mouth. And so that wasn't a surprise. Then you see that Menulog has just let go of 1,200 executives. Again, you can see that from finding it hard in the market. Now the data starts to tell us is there only room for perhaps two in the Australian market. And I guess the, the rather than it being really interesting, I'll say it's really useful, we then did a detailed report for our clients all about Deliveroo, around genders using it, um, more, more around ages using it, around postcodes, spend by postcode, etc. And so for our clients, that's really useful because you've got, I've got a lot of Deliveroo customers who don't have anywhere to go to if they want to order food to be delivered to the houses. So they can act really quickly on that data and see where they need to put in extra marketing resources or extra personnel resources to pick up that gap that's been left by delivery. So I guess that was really interesting data and to be able to turn that around in 24 hours. Uh, Another one that was really good is, I won't name the client, but we can narrow it down. There have been a couple of data breaches in the last month or so and both organizations um, we work with both organizations one of the organizations it was on the sort of gives away a little bit but uh, basically over a weekend we did all of the surveying of that organization's customers understanding what they thought about the data breach what was important to them what really were their concerns their considerations that was carried out over a Saturday and Sunday report was delivered on a Monday and by the Tuesday the messages that were out in the marketplace were the messages that the organization had discovered 48 hours beforehand so that again is the real power of insights um, where a company can quickly turn to something like that that's obviously very serious and be able to respond directly in the way that the consumers, uh, its its customers wanted. Yeah, addressing directly the issues yeah. that they, they, they know exactly what those issues are. Yeah. So it's just two good examples of the power of data. And it's why data is king at the moment. Mm. I think when we were here, and it hasn't changed, 90% of the world's data was created in the last two years. Um, <laughs> it is used for 
all types of decision making by organizations and there are uh, two good examples that i've given you and we've got fantastic tailwinds in our industry which again touch on elements of that so firstly we've got privacy so because everybody is because DataBridge is concerned about how their data is held organizations are holding less data quite rightly about individuals everything we do is permission based so more and more companies are coming to pure profile to understand about their customers and competitors because there's no other way of doing that so that's a great one some of our big global competitors are uh, finding it harder in the marketplace at the moment and that can be because they've been up for sale or they've been bought by private equity firms letting go of people changing structures that is great for us as a as a business and industry as well and also when there's any turmoil so we had covid a couple of years ago and Whenever there's upheaval like that, organizations, governments as well, uh, want to understand about their customers. Mm. Um, we're customers when we vote. So they want to understand about their customers. They want to understand, hey, this is suddenly changing. What do you think about investments or going out or concerns about vaccine or et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so we saw a big blip in the need for data to be analyzed during that period and now unfortunately many organized uh, countries we've got higher inflation every country actually we have high inflation are we potentially heading towards recession so companies are again wanting to really understand about their audiences because they want to understand what are they thinking about spending buying luxury goods uh, going on holiday moving house diy list goes on and on and on i want to stay close to my customers so again fantastic tailwind for us so you started with the company in august 2020 what strategic goals did you put in place and how are they progressing yeah, uh, look, uh, when I joined the company, and I'd, I'd been previously at two of the largest global competitors of Pure Profile, I, I saw an absolute opportunity of Pure Profile being truly on the world stage. We were a, a successful Australian company at the time in, in five countries. But really, the opportunity was to be on the global stage. So I saw that. I saw the bones there. And so we went through a restructure. We did a recapitalization. And really, we set the strategy back then, which was threefold. Number one was go global. Do already what we're doing in Australia, but do it on a global stage. The work that we do is is completely exportable. There's no FDA approval. Um, if you do it in England, US, it's still in the English language. It's identical. So really just deliver what makes us market leader in Australia elsewhere. So be global. And there's a bit more to that. You've got to be truly global in the way that you structure customers customers, employees, partners have to have exactly the same experience, no matter what country you're in, it needs to have continuity in the business. So there was there was considerable work to do there as well as technology. But number one, be global, export what we're doing. Number two, improve our technology. So th- again, threefold, that's our internal technology, make it more efficient, make it fit for purpose. And again, with that global hat on. Number two, SaaS technology. So again, increase the uh, offers of SaaS products and, and approaches to clients 
giving us scalability, giving us efficiency, and thirdly, client-facing solutions. So improving the technology. And then the final piece of, of that circle, which is actually a picture that we have, is um, to then focus on data and insights and our amplifying media business and not get distracted with other areas. Know what you're good at. Know what customers want to buy from you and actually double down on that as business. And that was our, our strategy, sort of September, October 2020. And that's exactly the same today. And so where we see our growth and our investment is is overseas. And to give you an idea, the UK market for data and insights is 14 times bigger than the Australian market. And the US market is 40 times bigger than the Australian market. So that is where our opportunity really sits in offering our same services from our global perspective. So we've been hiring commercial people, ensuring that our, as I said, our our global systems and operations teams, we have operations centers in India and in Philippines, are geared up in time zones, et cetera, to deliver for those clients. And as I said, that's where we're seeing the growth. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. So competitors in the US and UK um, have obviously got some sort of, they must have some sort of advantages and obviously ones of scale. Um, are you coming in like the little Aussie nimble, <laughs> like an, a, an Aussie uh, socceroo player, <laughs> just taking those opportunistic goals and performing, you know, above the rest? Yeah, exactly right. We, we, I think we're, we're definitely going past the uh, the final 16 but yes that is very (laughs) true so it's interesting when i when one looks at data and insights there are actually only five true global companies who have northern and southern hemisphere offices not Mm. just data points but actually offices so number one is a a company u.s company called dynata uh, approximately 750 million u.s of revenue they are clearly number one Number two, uh, Kantar Profiles, part of Kantar. They were bought by Bain a couple of years ago for or 60% for $4.4 billion. They're about 350 million US of revenue. Number three is YouGov, and all of your listeners can look them up. They're listed in the UK stock market, so they can look up YouGov to understand what a big version of Pure Profile looks at. They're a couple of hundred million US of revenue. Number four, a little company called Taluna, French company delisted a few years ago, about 150 million US of revenue. And then 
the nimble Australian organization sitting at a, at about 35 million US revenue. So that is what we're eating into mm. is actually 750 million of uh, Daynata revenue. That's the opportunity that sits within Pure Profile. So it's the... I said the small Australian company doing it, what it does really well in Australia, and now everybody's taking notice of us. And it was interesting, I was invited to a CEO-only conference in the US, and that's the first time a non-US company has ever been invited to that conference, and that was... Is that an industry-specific conference? Yeah, industry-specific, and and that was... It's like the Davos of data and insights. Um, My wife thinks I'm a geek, but anyway. um, uh, Well, if you're into data, she might be right. (laughs) And that was, you know, us going, wow, we're really on the radar now of everybody. So what do you think you're doing um, that's better than these companies? Yeah, um, we just had Sydney and Melbourne client Christmas parties. I said it was a few weeks ago. Melbourne was last week and I was fortunate enough to be at both. So we had uh, about 100 clients in, in Melbourne, about 80 or so in, in uh, 100 clients in Sydney, about 80 or so in Melbourne. By the way, we've got 770 clients globally. So mm-hmm. we do a lot of what we do. And to a person, the comments were, it's about the quality of the people the relationships that people have on the floor, on the ground locally, also the quality of the operations team um, that they're, they're dealing with, the quality of our data. You've got to bear in mind that organizations might be spending $50,000 or $100,000 on a project to understand their audience, but they're actually making multi-million dollar decisions based on the back of that. So the quality of data, phenomenally important because they want to make the right decisions. We're fast. We're, we're that example that I gave about the data outage mm. or data breach, delivered data within within 24, 48 hours. So we're, we're fast at what we do and we're really consistent at what we do. So to a person, that was the, the feedback. And that's what we do really well. And that's how you win. So what are the growth trends that you're looking at in Asia Pacific and Europe? Yes, well, um, good question. So the growth trends we're seeing is, as I talked about earlier, data and insights is a growing industry around the world. Is it, a, is it a little less mature in those markets or...? It's a little less, absolutely. It's done. Mm. Research is still done in a slightly different way, more face to face, whereas online research we, we take for granted. Mm. But um, the, the growth that we see across Asia is actually similar to the growth we see around the world. So ESMR, which is our data and insights global industry body, is seeing about 15 percent growth this year around the world. And that's no different to in Asia. If we exclude China out of this, China is its own beast around price, around quality, um, around you need to be a real local company to deal with that. So we're talking here about uh, Singapore, Malaysia, Thailand, um, Philippines, Indonesia as the five markets. As always, a great opportunity for Australian companies to expand into. We opened just just before I'd come see you last time, we opened our Singapore office, which is our, our Asian hub. We've got a great partner in the uh, Asian parent, which gives us a lot of data points uh, around the region for us. And it's a good opportunity. With all of our new markets, one needs to be cautious. And I say that because 
Melinda Shepherd and myself, Melinda's our COO, CFO. From day one that I joined, we've our target has been cash flow positivity. And so we've we've had two years or so of being cash flow positive. And the importance of being cash flow positive is so that we didn't want our shareholders to think that we're going to raise money just to turn the lights on. We're a microcap, phenomenal growth at the revenue level, but we haven't done that at all costs. We've made sure that we've been cash flow positive. And so when we look at new markets, we're cautious about our investment. We don't invest ahead of the curve. We typically add senior commercial people in a market first. They will then bring clients with them from wherever they've come from. And then once we start to see that revenue come in, we think about adding operations people, perhaps locally, certainly offshore, um, adding data points, adding panels, etc. So we're really cautious about where we invest. If we open up, we don't have one today, but for example, if we open up an Indonesian office, Mm. we need to think about the languages. We obviously need to think about time difference, need to think about culture and nuances, etc. If we add two commercial people in the UK office, we don't have to think about any of that. Mm. And that's much larger than our Indonesian office is, or it could be. So one needs to be really disciplined about where you think about our investment. But certainly for us, it's all greenfield, you know, and and so we talk about a tailwind being in the insight space, perhaps up and coming or economic challenges that the world is seeing. We don't see that as a headwind. And why we don't see that as a headwind is our market share around the world is so small. Dynata, 750 million, us 30 million. It's so small around the world that we're winning clients that we didn't have. So if a client this year has gone from a wallet of $100 to $80, that's still $80 we didn't have. So we're still benefiting from that. So that is our, our big opportunity is that growth of that small market share and again whilst any market that we don't have a lot of clients in today is an opportunity we're putting those dollars in UK and US which we've been in for a number of years English language we know we can do it say we're doing it in. Okay Martin take us through the Q1 results then. Yes, so um, oh, I, I will, if, if you allow me, Phil, I'll go back a little bit more no, just because listeners <laughs> haven't seen it. So uh, financial year 22, so last financial year, we followed the Australian 1st of July to end of uh, June. Um, we grew revenue by 39% last financial year, EBITDA by 28%. Big growth came out of data and insights, UK and uh, EU was 50% growth, talking about where we're putting our investment. Data and Insights Asia Pacific was at 22% growth. Uh, our SaaS platforms grew 217%, and our Pure Amplify Media grew 42%. And we finished, they started the year with uh, about 2.2 million, I think, in the bank, finished the year with about $5.8 million in the bank. So, again, talking about being cash flow positive. That momentum has then carried on. So quarter one, grown 17%. We made some additional investment at the end of quarter four. EBITDA was down 9%, but maybe talk about guidance later. So that's not mm-hmm. a trend we'll see throughout the year. And again, we saw Data and Insights UK grow 40% and Data and Insights APAC grow 24%. 
And then we just released, just before our, uh, our, our AGM, the uh, October results. And again, we saw revenue up 19%. So that trend is continuing for us. Data and Insights, UK and EU up 35%, uh, APAC up 20%, and SAS platform up 15%. So as a business, we're seeing that top line growth, that EBITDA growth, and also keeping that cash flow positive element. So really pleased with everything that we're taking along with at the moment. And I noticed from the AGM presentation that this was a period as well of investment in technology as well, and you managed to keep things cash flow positive even while while doing that yes and um, we have uh, we, we use a phrase internally which is we're changing the tires on the car as we're driving down the motorway <laughs> and it, it, it is like that so um, as we've been refreshing our technology and rolling out new technology our capital expenditure hasn't grown so we're doing all of that within our existing in investment today and actually whilst we are cash flow positive you can look at our, our full year results we still make a statutory loss on our, our account but that is coming absolutely down. So I think three years ago, it's a loss of about 7.8 million. Two years ago, it's 5.8 million. Last year was 2.2 million. And so as you see that EBITDA uh, increase, you'll see that coming down. And an internal goal for us is absolutely, or two internal goals, actually. Number one internal goal is that NPAP being a true positive NPAD along with the all the other growth that we see as a company and we're getting really close to that now and the other one is that inflection point we expect to see that in financial year 24 of the UK business overtaking the Australian business and suddenly we'll have to wear two football shirts to use your early analogy <laughs> we won't be seen as an Australian company anymore once we see that inflection point comes then the, those drivers will come another UK market for us. Yeah, well, we are recording in the middle of the World Cup, aren't we? <laughs> that is a problem. Um, so what's the business focusing on in the next 18 months? As I, as I sort of just touched on, I think the first one is more dollars flowing down to our, our bottom line. We made some additional investment in quarter four. It's now time for us to really see that EBITDA percentage jump up. Um, and also that MPAP profitability. So EBITDA percentage, we were a few years ago, 5%, then 7%, then 9%. Um, so to continue that EBITDA percentage growth to see more dollars flowing down, that's first one. Second one is really look to expand that UK business, overtake the Australian business, and then make inroads into the US, find a big data partner in the US, make inroads into the US, and then look for financially 24, 25, that US revenue really start to uh, increase. And we gave guidance at our AGM as we do every year. So our guidance was, if, if you look at reports that are out there in the broker reports that are out there in the market, so our revenue uh, guidance they have said for this year is between 48 and 52 million dollars last year was 41 million so yes we agree with that 58 48 to 52 and then we've said EBITDA percentage will be between 9 and 10 percent so continuing that growth of EBITDA dollars continuing that growth of revenue dollars cutting down that impact loss keeping cash flow positive and growing that international business and having fun. I mean, that's the thing. We talked about that at the last session where I said, look, investors really need to look at 
employee satisfaction um, because if you've got high employee satisfaction customer satisfaction follows and revenue follows we have an amazing team around the world we make sure that they have uh, they listen to they're rewarded in many different ways um, that we are a post-covid company working from home hybrid type operations and people feel that they know how they can make a real difference and they make a real difference and that is the smile on the face when you speak to clients that's being proactive to solve a a challenge or give a suggestion and improve an opportunity and that's what we absolutely do and and so i think everybody in pure profile has a smile on the face enjoys what they do and and Therefore, does it really, really well. Uh, what's the ticker code for Pure Profile? So it's PPL. Mm-hmm. And of course, people can go to the Pure Profile website and P- look up investor relations and so forth to find out more information. Exactly right. So please feel free to do that. Um, you, as, as with other microcaps, you will see when you do that. We had a share price 12 months ago, about 8.8 cents. Uh, we're ticking along at about 4 cents uh, at the moment. Um, so, uh, yes. Martin Fields, thank you very much for joining me today. Thank you for having us, Phil. The company and or guest has contributed to the cost of production associated with this episode of Equity ASA. This podcast is for information and educational purposes only. It isn't financial advice as we don't know your personal financial situation, so you shouldn't buy or sell any investments based on what you've heard here. Any opinion or commentary is the view of the speaker only. This podcast doesn't replace professional advice regarding your personal financial needs, circumstances or current situation.